0: The views and opinions expressed by Hema Prabhu, our podcast guest this week, are solely their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of Microsoft. We hope you enjoy. Hello, is this thing on?
1: Welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. We are coming to you live from the Digital Wildcatters podcast studio. This show, if you're new, is for all of our energy enthusiasts out there who are maybe looking to learn more or like us, maybe just too embarrassed to ask those dumb questions. We're here to help. I am Sydney, and we're going to check out who else we have in studio today.
0: I'm Jules.
2: And I'm Julie, <laughs> and we, yeah, like Sydney said, we really, Digital Wildcatter's mission is to raise energy IQ among society, so we're starting with our own. Yes, absolutely. Um, and today we have hema and I'm not going to try your last name because you told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is the world. Worldwide oil and gas leader. There Ooh. we go. At Microsoft. Yes. Which is amazing. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a new, new role.
3: It's a new role, yes. I went from joining Microsoft a year ago for Americas to getting the worldwide role now. So. Congrats. Oh, congrats. Congrats. That's Amazing. Thank Amazing. Are you based it. here in
0: Houston? Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so can you tell us about your journey from, wait, let me back up. I was looking at your LinkedIn today. You have a very impressive background. You started, I believe, as a field engineer at Baker Hughes. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And you worked there for about nine years. Mm -hmm. And then you moved on to, uh, there was a bunch of companies in there. Uh, You actually founded a company. Was that a consulting company? Yes, it was. Yeah. So you've done it all. You've been in the field. You've been a founder. Now you're an executive. That's really cool. It just adds
3: for a... uh, Very interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So, I mean, my background is, so engineer by background, Mm -hmm. always, you know, once you're an engineer, you're always an engineer, the way you think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But started my journey, you know, did electrical power, which was a very niche in engineering degree. Wanted to build power plants for third world countries. That was always my passion and let it up in oil and gas. Started at Baker Hughes because at that point, there's only three things I wanted in life. I wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. I want to make a lot of money. I want to go offshore. I <laughs> love it. I, I love that. Life, that life, great. Yeah, life's simple, right? Back then when you don't have anything else. Yeah. But, <laughs> so at that point, it was between Shell and Baker Hughes. And she- Baker Hughes just made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. Got on that, um, I would say train and traveled the world, worked in various different locations and very fast, you know, I would say it was, it was all, everything was lined up in a sense that there were very key supporters and champions in my career early on that said, you know, you're done with the field, let's move you on and let's accelerate your career development.
1: I feel like that's rare.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, it is what and, if, I mean
1: I'm assuming that is a testament to you and what they saw in you so I hope you should oh, be very actually, maybe
3: <laughs> no I would say it was the right time right place gotcha. yeah. I was invited for an event in New York City and I did not know who was going to be there from Baker Hughes and at that point it was actually the senior leadership that was there and I honestly did not know who the senior leadership was yeah so I was having a glass of wine, they were like, well, what do you want to do in Baker Hughes? And I was like, oh, I want to be the president of Asia. And they said, well, this is your building block to get to where you want to. And we're going to make that Amazing. happen. And, That's so cool. and the next thing, you know, came back, back to Asia and they were like, okay, this is the career track you're going to be on. Wow. <laughs> and from then on, you know, performance is pretty much the foundation. Mm-hmm. If you don't perform, you're not going right. to be on any kind of career track, but Having the, I would say, the awareness of where you want to go and then help having people to help you build that along mm-hmm. the way. And being very open to things will differ. Families happen, kids happen, and then learning to still have your not star and then trying to build towards mm-hmm. that is key. So yeah, that's and I mean that was the start of it. Right. And you know, I've been I've always been a person with very I had goals and goals with milestones. I did not Mm -hmm. just have goals without saying by certain time. So by the time I'm 30, I want to be a mom. By the time I'm 40, I want to be a wise president. So when I hit all those goals and when I turned 40, we were on a vacation and I was like, oh, so what's next? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Midlife crisis, oh, great, (laughs) you know, no goals. No goals after this, great. (laughs) So that's when I was, you know, when I turned 40, it was a lot of turning points. Personally as well, I had to take a career break because I had few medical situations to address. Mm-hmm. And this was COVID year. Yeah, I thought, oh, it's going to be a three-month break. It ended up being a year. But during that one-year time frame, really taking the time to reflect, that's when I started my company because I just cannot sit still. Mm-hmm. And really looking at you know what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Where was the energy industry heading to? Because my heart is in it. And then really understanding what is it that I can get paid for and what the world needs. That's when I decided, okay, it was either going to be new energy or going to be the digitalization Mm -hmm. portion. So that was the start of my journey into tech.
1: Great. And so how long have you been with Microsoft since then? So No,
3: I actually had a short stop, I would say, a pit stop at Salesforce. And, you know, it was it was my break into tech. Right. And today I actually spoke to the person who hired me into Salesforce. And he said, you know, I, I chose and he took a bet on me, right? I did not mm-hmm. come from the, the tech industry and I came from the industry industry side. But he said, you know, I saw the passion in you to make this better. So that's why he hired me at Salesforce. And then now he's at Microsoft. but. What that really made me think is, you know, you come from an industry, you have your entire network in that industry, mm-hmm. and it really, really matters the network out of your industry. Get True. to know people out of your industry, because you never know when those will come mm-hmm. into play in your career. So that was, that was the power of network for me that got me into Salesforce, and then later on got me to Microsoft. I and now that. here you are, just running the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's that's a lot <laughs> to do with the leadership I'm under. You know they yeah. when I came on board for Americas, uh, you know when you first you're not from the tech industry, right. mm-hmm. but you came from the indi- from the oil and gas industry. So play to your strength and not your weaknesses. Yes, I may not know servers and database, mm-hmm. but I know the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know the challenges the industry is facing and how technology can help resolve it.
1: It's funny you say that because we talk about all the time that unless you're really in the thick of energy, it's it's hard to understand. There's a lot of variables and a lot of players and just a lot going on. So I can imagine how that knowledge would be
3: invaluable
1: Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. a tech company that's trying to hire someone to work in their energy department.
2: I think it's easier for – Energy people to learn about the tech rather than mm-hmm. tech people yes. to learn about energy. absolutely because as you're yes. saying it the your network is everything and that's really built over years and years in the industry and being in the center of it
3: yes and especially I mean if you have if you have not walked to mile I'm sure you don't know the challenge right you know? mm-hmm. and especially coming from an industry that was first we were you know the top of the top, right, oil and gas. And then we became the bottom of the bottom that you can Mm -hmm. think about during COVID years. And then the energy is rising again. I mean, the energy is always going to be there, but oil and gas is something that is so cyclic that like looking at it today, it's like, you know, how do you make this happen for the next 30, 40 years while we transition? And this transition is not a either hydrocarbon or renewable, it's both. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a mix Mm -hmm. of different energy resources to make this happen because global population is going to continue growing. Right. Mm-hmm. And when global population continues to grow, energy demand will continue to, to grow as well. But how do we have a mix so that we don't leave anyone behind and Absolutely. yet we address the climate crisis that we are in?
1: You're yeah. preaching to the choir. We talk about it all the time. And it's it's always weird to me because I feel like we talk to so many people internally at DW that share that view but then, still, like on this, on the outside world, there's still so many people who don't understand that.
3: Yes, that's. I mean, because the industry is always yeah. being painted in such a bad right. reputation, right? Oh, we are the biggest. You know, look at someone made the comment: Exxon makes more money than God. Well, I wish I knew how much God was making, but <laughs> right, <laughs> but, but it comes down to. I mean, the industry is always not stood up for itself. Mm-hmm. And in reality is we have done a lot of good things for, for the planet that we, yep. we are in. Yep. And we are truly the product from hydrocarbon fuels the world, not mm-hmm. just in putting gas in your car, but from mm-hmm. every single plastic equipment that right. you use.
0: Yeah, I think yep. it just boils down to educating people. You know, they're just, they don't know. They don't take the time to do the research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, that's like the main goal why we started this podcast is just to educate people on that.
3: Yes, I mean, that's, that's just so much byproduct that people, mm-hmm. they always think, oh, it's just your electric. Oh, electrify your cars and you'll be fine. Oh, where do you think the body of the electric right. cars come from? I yep. Mean, yep. Yep. Where do you and think your electricity comes from? Yeah, exactly, from? the power. <laughs> What's
2: going to power your car? <laughs> right. Yes,
3: yes. So there's a, there's a lot of awareness that needs, even I face it in the tech industry, is raising oh, the awareness bad. internally, raising the awareness of, you know, not just within Microsoft, but within the tech industry, and then raising the awareness to the investors as well. Like right. this is what the industry actually does,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that's where I feel you know we have a bigger role to play here, mm-hmm. and not just say this is the worst industry or this is like tobacco, but raising the awareness mm-hmm. because today, if you look, you know we have always spoken about the crew change, the big crew change mm-hmm. that is happening, right. But when you look at the new talent coming in, even my kids when I talk to them, they be like, "Oh, we will never get into that industry." I was like, "Why not?"
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you don't and the change is, you know, raising the awareness that this is not a dirty industry. This is yes. an industry that actually fuels the world, mm-hmm. yeah. And setting the tone that we can decarbonize that industry. That is the that is I would say, you know, where we are doing a lot more work on mm-hmm. making hydrocarbon cleaner. And then decarbonization of reducing carbon footprint in the world. And then transitioning into new energies. I also
2: wish that kids, you know, you mentioned your kids, um, knew how advanced the technology really is in the industry. Like, it's really like the robotics. Like, I wish we could Mm -hmm. show that more. It's really, really cool. Like, there's a lot of cool things out there. And it's probably one of the most technical industries Mm -hmm. out there. Like, it's so complex. Um, before we dive into um kind of talking about technology and energy in, energy and all of that, I want to ask a question, and this isn't be the first stupid question. <laughs> That's <laughs> no such thing as a what? stupid question. <laughs> what is Microsoft's involvement in energy? Are y'all just working with the energy companies to get them their suite of products, or is there certain technology for companies that they use? Now,
3: it's funny that you asked that. I'll quote my leader's, um, he, he made a comment during Sarah Week, which stuck with me. He said, you know, we went from selling office products to meeting our customers where they are. And when you look at that, there's still, you know, on the flip side, being at Microsoft, when I talk to um, truly the C-suite, I was like, you know, what does Microsoft mean to you? And they go, office, right. yeah. teams, oh, when teams work, and then yeah. you have the cloud, yeah. and that's it. You know, I go, like, no, we do a lot more than that. Right. And the way we go about resolving the biggest challenges the industry face, whether it's, you know, decarbonization is one portion, but making your assets more intelligent because you're not getting capital investment today to, to put into new assets, whether it's refineries or, you know, just building new things. Mm-hmm is where we can put intelligent operation in place. And we don't do it as Microsoft by itself. Microsoft's strength is the richness of our ecosystem. And I say ecosystem, it's partners that we have in Mm. this. Mm -hmm. So partners like Slumberger. Partners like Halliburton; mm-hmm. those are our partners that we can actually have the fingers to resolve the cust- um, the industry's challenges that we are facing. Interesting. Yeah, that, 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 that was that a makes, great
2: question. That makes a lot
3: more sense because yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking
2: office yeah. products.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, we can't. How? We there's can't be. be yeah, we can't else. be 2.5 trillion dollar market cabbages. Office. I know. <laughs> right. I know. I
2: was. That's why I was like, I've got to ask this because I know there's more technology mm-hmm. in there, but I've just never. Um, heard of it like i've never like maybe
3: thought yeah. it out yeah i mean no, not many people know about it we do we do a lot of great work but microsoft is very known for this we do great work but we don't talk about it yeah mm-hmm. we don't you know we don't market ourselves in that that sense we're like let's just go ahead and do the work you know yeah. that's all that matters for us to to help really help our customers in hey we understand hydrocarbon needs to prepare to be still produced? How can we help you produce more Mm -hmm. and leave less footprint? And when I say footprint is, you know, from the environmental perspective, how can we help you do that? And then how can we help you transition as well? So transition without leaving hydrocarbon behind. Mm -hmm. So those are the areas that we really focus on. And then, you know, and then you get all the cool stuff like industrial metavers and robots and putting a robot on the rig. So those are the cool stuff that we do as well. Well, speaking
1: of transitions, um, technology, I think, has evolved to transition over the years. So one of the first things we wanted to ask you is how have you seen in your largely, what sort I'm looking for? Storied. Storied. That's a good one. Largely storied career. How have you (laughs) seen energy, technology transition as you've grown?
3: So think about, so maybe this was before your time, you know, but you said, If you were going to censor a letter to someone, it used to be snail mail. Mm -hmm. And today you could send a text globally anywhere with WhatsApp with all these apps that you have. And that's the same thing that the industry has gone through. When I look at where I started my career of getting data from subsurface, it would take months from offshore rig to send the data back to onshore for it to be processed, for everyone to look at it and make sense out of it. And today we can do it in minutes. You know, you can you can you have all the network, the the connections to offshore rigs to get this data real time to make sense, to process it, to tell you where, whether this is worth, you know, drilling further, yeah. where is your landing zone, what you should do. So the technology has really evolved. And then when you look at the tools that are going underground, it's no more what it used to be. Last time we used to have tools, some had like, you know, memories in it. Today right. we can transmit everything up home. And that's where I see a lot of value of data coming into play in the energy industry. And the downside of it, there's so much data and now you need to make sense out of it. What is the noise? What is the data that is really going to drive very intelligent business decisions? We've had a
1: lot of conversations lately between some of our webinars and different podcasts. It seems to be that data management and data interpretation
2: seems to be a hot topic Mm -hmm. right now. I feel like data is everywhere yep yep and i think it can kind of help guide the transition or addition Mm -hmm. as we like to say um
3: how do you see that happening how do you see data helping uh us kind of transition so there's you know the industry us and our competitors have been very heavily focused on subsurface data taking all this data breaking down the silos putting it together, mashing it up, and then making sense out of it so you can make faster decisions. And then you have HPC behind it that can even start identifying your tidbits.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, that's great. But when I look at it, I'm like, you're missing the big component production. Right. So there's a lot like in the frag world, in the shale revolution in the US, the frag data, there's a lot of data there that is being, being collected and we have not made sense out of it. You know, can you intelligently start assessing? Is this the frac design? Where's the frac going? Mm-hmm. And can you start formulating a plan of where? Because there's a lot of reserves being left underground in the shale. How can you get more? So you start stop poking too many holes. Right. And I feel like that is pretty much where we need to move in the U.S. Yeah. And globally, it's about you know the offshore international market is is a subsurface processing being able to really identify. Where do you land these wells? How much reserves can you get out of it? And once you get the reserves, start getting the reserves out. How do you control the emission? How do you make sure your pipeline capacity has got enough takeaway capacity so you're not flaring? In the US, you don't flare. But a couple of months ago, I was flying through Middle East, no-name country, but (laughs) it was in the evening. And all I saw was flaring the entire way. And I was like, "Wow." wow. Yeah, it's like the amount of emission, the amount of gas that you're burning. Well then you when you turn on the other side, it's like Europe needs this gas, you know right Southeast Asia right. needs this gas. so there's a lot of wastage still happening. Mm-hmm. But now, if you can start planning it, using data and you're planning, tying it together, I think we can definitely address the energy trilemma that we are in.
1: The energy trilemma Trilemma.
3: We keep reading about that as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're trying to stay educated, so so now I'll turn the tables around. So tell me from your perspective, what do you see energy trilemma being in your own words? Oh God, I'm trying to remember what I read about the last time, because
1: we so we have our uh, energy tech conference coming up, and Julie and I've been working on the agenda and topics, <laughs> and the trilemma is one thing that we um that we've thrown around. Wait, what is the trilemma? I want to say I I read something I want to say it was from Deloitte um that put out. Some sort of paper on it, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know a dilemma, is like two problems, like this yeah. kind of trifecta of issues: security, sustainability, and availability. Is it something that's am a, I you're almost you're right? Close, you're close, am I you're almost close, right? Yes. Did I, did, I, did I get two out of three?
3: Yeah. No, you actually got all three. Okay, all three. I mean, everyone names it differently, yeah. but it's a, essentially energy security is one right? right one component out of it. Looking at the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, energy security has really become front and center for many leaders, not just here in the U.S., but globally. Right. And the second that you touch, the environmental portion. So that's sustainability. What can we do to make sure that, you know, we are addressing global warming at the same time? Mm -hmm. And the third portion is the how do you make this equal? Mm -hmm. You know, we cannot leave any nation or anyone behind. How do you make sure that energy is accessible and energy of, is available and affordable on a global level. Right. So that's the trilemma liability. And, yeah. and yeah. I think
1: just like Jules was saying about how so many people just don't understand where their energy come from comes from. I think it's the same that a lot of people don't
3: understand how many people still do not have access mm-hmm. to reliable. Yes. Energy. So right now, you know, global population is eight billion. Mm-hmm. Almost a billion people don't have a reliable of energy. energy. That's awful. And if you look, if you continue this trend, population will overtake where, you know, the affordability comes Mm -hmm. in and that will open up. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to leave nations behind. We're going to leave people behind. Right. And when you look, you know, the further you look, like countries in Southeast Asia, urbanization is happening. Mm -hmm. So urbanization where people are starting to move more to cities, energy demand is going to grow there. Mm -hmm. So population is one, but urbanization how do we address all of that and make sure that we don't go back to coal plants? Because coal plants is just not where we want to be. Absolutely. So I think this
1: leads perfectly into our next question. I think when we're talking about the energy trilemma, what's going to be important is collaboration and not just between energy verticals, but also between tech companies and the energy industry. So if you want to...
3: Touch yes, on that. I mean that's that's where you know Microsoft yeah. is um, takes a very big stand on this. Again, we don't talk about it too much, but we drive very strategic partnership.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And the strategic partnership, we have our energy principles, and that is something I'm very proud to say Microsoft has a stand in the way we do business with energy companies. Bit and you know you could be in Saudi Aramco, you could be in Exxon, but we have our principles, and mm-hmm. that's the. That's our, I would say, our marching orders and our not star, our guiding star. If a company has a net zero goal, we will co-innovate with you. We will co-develop with you. That's amazing. And if you don't have that, we'll help you get there. <laughs> right. We'll mm-hmm. help you develop it. We'll help mm-hmm. you get to your net zero goal. And alongside that, the partnership, it evolves over time. It went from, okay, we have the techni- technical expertise in the tech world, mm-hmm. you have your domain expertise in what you do. How can we collaborate? How can we bring this to the market to be a product the rest of the world can do and use so that it's not just going to be a partnership with you and we mm-hmm. own it, but we can share it with the world to make it much better for the entire industry. And that's what Microsoft really strives to do. That's awesome. And I that's love awesome. hearing that
1: a company like Microsoft is invested.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's
1: like you said, and I get it. There are a lot of companies that don't talk about the good that they're doing. Even the companies that are in an energy struggle <laughs> struggle with talking about the good that they're doing. So I think it's very encouraging mm-hmm. that Microsoft is playing ball and helping these companies uh, meet their targets.
3: I mean, I can openly talk about it. it took us. I mean, the announcement's out. It took us a long time to commit to a particular particular country in the Middle East, no names mentioned, to build a data center there. And the moment the country and the biggest oil producer there committed, we have a net zero goal. Yeah. We made the commitment We'll build a data center there. It's Microsoft has its stand. And right. you know, that's one thing I have a lot of respect for this company is when we make a stand, we stick by it.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't
3: just play with anyone, but we play with the right players.
1: I think we try to have that mantra here as well yeah. yeah
2: i feel like we were talking about that today just having a mission and letting that really drive you mm-hmm. and drive your decisions whether it's a really small decision or a really big decision mm-hmm. always making sure you align with your values i love that and knowing microsoft does that is really cool yeah it's probably we, why
3: it's been a lot yeah, I mean, yeah. So long. that's what yeah. that's what really attracted to. Attracted me to Microsoft was, you know, we have a mission statement of empowering every person, every organization on the planet to achieve more. And when you translate that from an energy perspective, is we are going to empower every organization to provide clean, affordable, and reliable energy. I love
2: that.
3: And that would mean giving equal <clears throat> opportunity to everyone everywhere. Right. Yeah.
1: Love it. I love
3: that too. Can we talk about?
0: like policy changes or initiatives that we need to drive the transition forward.
3: So you mean the, uh, the carrot that is dangling <laughs> in the US right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely Absolutely. talk about the I- IRA policies that are out. I mean, you know, when you look at the decarbonization efforts in the US, it was very slow.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And with the recent IRA bill, I always tend to joke, now we have the carrot. We have a 10-year carrot. And let's try to grab this carrot as much as possible. But out of that, you know, the good part is there's billions and billions. I believe it's around $400 billion going into decarbonization and making the new energy infrastructure, which for those who have been in Texas, seeing what happened during the winter is mm-hmm. something we don't want to run into again. Right. But at the same time, you know, this has opened up a more competitive landscape versus a collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that's where Microsoft is taking the stand of: How can we help companies collaborate Mm. so we can start building solutions and building and empowering customers who are getting into direct air capture or CCS to say, hey, this is the platform. Mm -hmm. We have proven it in Europe. We have done it in Europe. Now let's bring that platform here and show customers, hey, it's an open ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Let's bring as many players into it so we can start doing what's right. And all of y'all can reap the benefit of that right,
1: and so in in your opinion, maybe not not Microsoft's but in your opinion, is that the best way to ensure like we keep talking about that no one gets left
3: behind? Yes, and when you look at that, you know in Europe, yeah. it's yeah. different. they have a stick, right, mm-hmm. like you have to do this you know, you' and not you're going to get penalized mm-hmm. right? whereas in in u s it became a carrot, which is fine, but how do you make sure? companies remain competitive but still make sure that the technology is an open ecosystem that the rest of them can use. Right. And that's what we're striving to do. Awesome. What are some of the skills that are needed for
2: the future of, the, of energy? Because it is going to become, you know, a, a lot different mm-hmm. as we move forward. Um, what do
3: you see a gap in right now mm-hmm. and
2: what do we need moving forward?
3: I mean, there's few, few areas to address, right? When I look at any, whether it's an oilfield service company, an oil and gas company, chemicals company, digital has to be a backbone. And the reason mm-hmm. I say digital has to be a backbone is because tomorrow or a month's time, oil could potentially drop to minus 25 again. God knows, right? Mm-hmm. We always have these yeah. black swans and Please this black swan. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah, nobody wishes for it, but black yeah. swans do happen. We don't have yeah. control over it. So before that happens, how do you prepare yourself to be more agile in the way you operate and not lay off a bunch of people? Mm-hmm. Right? Be the right mm-hmm. size, not lay off a bunch of people, and make sure you're agile enough to to address the market changes and the uncertainty that we live in. So we've seen this and I've and I truly believe digital can help you mm-hmm. get there. Forecast the market, move move assets, move the way you operate to address that. So that's one part. And second, obviously everyone's heard about this AI. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, chat GPT. Yeah, could ask right. you could ask chat GPT that. Yeah. No, yeah, but you know, we are in the Industrial Revolution 4.0, right? And in the midst of it, I would say AI is where we are today. In that entire digitalization space, AI is where we are. And I would definitely encourage everybody to learn a little bit about AI. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a coder, but you right. need to know what AI can do for your business. You need to mm-hmm. know AI, what AI can do for you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know what AI can do for you, then you can know how AI can help your company. That goes a long way. And there is obviously a very scary, scary thing. Oh, AI is going to replace jobs. The way I look at it, AI is going to make you upskill yourself. Mm. You know, it's going to take away all those routine tasks that you have to do. So you can actually free yourself to doing more innovative things. Just Mm -hmm. start thinking out of the box. Right. I mean, I, I get... You know, sometimes I'd be like, God, I wish AI could do this for me, you yeah. know, but, but it's not quite there yet. I wish you yeah. could do a digital twin and do presentations yeah. for me. But we're not quite there yet. Yeah. And But you, then you start saying, okay, if AI takes away 20% of my time of doing all this, you know, routine tasks, that frees up for me to think about the bigger challenges that we are facing and how can mm-hmm. I put this jigsaw puzzle together. So that's the way I see AI and you know right behind ai if i had money to bet on i would say quantum computing is going to be coming up next yeah. that is that is the industrial revolution that we are in right now but on the flip side when i look at people talent coming into the workforce i said you know the ai the technology that you're learning that is all the left side brain thinking mm-hmm. No computer can replace empathy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, no computer can replace compassionate mm-hmm. and caring about the society you're in. So that's where, whenever I talk to new talent, people who are in college and everything, it's like focus on that as well, you know, because that, no no computer is ever going to replace that. Right. The high touch and being able to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's very your important. Soft skills. Still. Yep. That's mm-hmm. soft skills. Yeah.
2: I really like your mindset around that. It's a very abundant mindset of, Hey, use AI to basically outsource what you can so you can Mm -hmm. make more use of your time, whether that be learning how to innovate or maybe just spending time with your family. like It just frees up your time to be able to Mm -hmm. have more time, which we all need. Um, Yeah.
3: So I love that. Yeah, Microsoft is very big on work-life balance. And that's why every time I see an article come out, we talk about productivity. Mm-hmm. We talk about how we're making the tools work for us first so that we can be more productive in what we're doing and give us more time with our family.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's very, very important in, in the company, in my leadership. I mean, every I have said in one meeting when I took vacation and, my boss Im- immediately texts me: "Vacation means vacate." <laughs> Vac- <laughs> vacation got, means yeah, vacate. Got your message, boss. This <laughs> is the only call. <laughs> That's funny. funny. That. And that that goes a long way. You now I came from oil and gas, where vacation did not mean vacation, it, right? You not had to wait. Yes, yeah.
2: and you're also a founder, which vacation does not mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm sure it's a mindset flip when you're working for a bigger corporation where they like basically force it. Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. I haven't got to that part of my career where I'm, like, forcing it yet, but
3: I know I'll need it one day. <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, because, you know, mental health is an issue. We, we tend to come from a society that don't want to acknowledge it, but if you, burnout happens, and if you don't take the time to rest, and when I say rest, really reset and not think about work, it is you are going to get burnout.
2: You are, and you're gonna. You're not gonna be able to have those creative ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Will help you innovate. Your yep. brain gets yes.
1: fried. Yep, yeah. it does. So, talking about speak of new talent. When you were new, I know you started as an engineer. Did you always want to get into energy, or was that kind of just where you ended up, and then you found this passion for? Uh, no, so the I, I, you
3: know, so I love mats, and I love physics mm-hmm. and I wanted to go be a professor and my dad told me you're not going to make any money <laughs> so <laughs> you need to go do engineering and coming from a very um southeast asian family it was either engineer lawyer or doctor or you're right. nothing you <laughs> right. know? so I was like okay great I'm not going to be a lawyer I'm definitely not going to be a doctor you go to school too long so I decided to get into engineering and from there I realized you know I've always been a I would say I cared pe- about people generally so I wanted to build power plants yeah. and then I was gonna go work for UN. It's still a dream, uh, maybe someday. But when I when I graduated, completed my master's, when I came back to Malaysia at that point, the industry that was hiring was oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me into oil and gas. And from then on, you know, I just fell in love with what we were doing. We were right. we were not just, you know, we were getting oil out of the ground, but why were we getting oil out of the ground? And that went a long way for me. Especially when certain of the projects that we worked on, and this was in back in Asia, the moment we hit a very big fine, I immediately knew the people, the native people were gonna get a lot of the the money out of it. Right. So that goes a long way. And these are people who live in like, you know, absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. So that that always made me happy. When we find the oil, we know the local people get it.
1: Oh, that's like a warm and fuzzy oil and gas story. I like it. I know. So what advice would you have for people entering the energy sector? I think a lot of our listeners are either seasoned professionals who are just interested in learning about topics outside of their Mm day-to-day or people who are new to the industry and just kind of want to broaden their general knowledge. So what advice do you have for them?
3: Our first thing is play your strength, not your weakness. Yeah. You know, know your strength. be be a subject matter expert with the things that really resonates with you. You can't you can't be you can't know all of it, right? But you can have the breadth of all of it, but really be in depth with something that is resonates with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then understand, you know one is that that's passion. and what you're good at, you know, are you good in operations? Are you good in sales? Are you good? you know some people just don't want to talk to customers. That's right. fine. Then you know where your strengths are. And then what is going on in the world? And what can you get paid for? You know, you can be really, (laughs) really want to do one thing and then you're like, oh, I'm I'm not going to get paid for that. Great. So really putting this together. So that one year where during the COVID year where I took that year off, there is a very good book that was introduced to called Ikigai. Ikigai is a Japanese way of thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, that leads to happiness. And the way there's this blue zones globally where people live a longer life because they're happier. And that gave me that four pillars to look at. I know, we need to look that up. Yeah, Ikiga. It says, you know, what you're good at, what what you love, what you're good at, what can you get paid for, and what the world needs. If you can intersect those four, you can really find, you know, what is it that you're going to do? Because then... Then you won't come to work thinking, "Oh God, this is a job." You know? Yeah, you come yeah. to, you never feel it's a job. You get excited doing it every day. I feel
1: yeah. like the one of the good things that came out of COVID is I feel like whether people, it's because they were furloughed or lost their jobs or just started working from home. I think a lot of people really like did some soul searching mm-hmm. and and kind of went back to that exact notion, finding up finding out what's important to you. And what kind of gets you going and whether that was like a side hobby they picked up or they completely switched careers. Mm -hmm. I think I always think about like I know a lot of people that really took that time and their life kind of did a 180 for the better.
3: Yes. And sometimes a 180 doesn't need to just happen like that, right? You could try it as a side gig, see Mm -hmm. whether you really like it, whether you can actually make some money. Right. (laughs) And then you can go full blown into it.
2: Yeah. I'm going to sidetrack the conversation a little bit and go Back to quantum quantum (laughs) computing. Are you gonna ask what it is? I find it so. I listened to this podcast a while back, and I it was probably a Joe Rogan podcast. Um, And it was so interesting. But I would love for you to
3: explain what it is. Okay, because I'm like I don't know. So think about okay. So you have your computer. Mm -hmm. Think about a supercharged computer that can do everything much faster than you can ever think about. That's what. quantum computing so it's got artificial intelligence got everything you can think about with the click of a button will it have like an interface like a computer or is this that's that's the plan that's the vision and but it can be used for a lot of different things we're not quite there yet you know microsoft is invested in it deeply invested in it i have gone to um our corporate office in written and we get quantum computing subject matter experts come and talk and it'll be a poof uh, right, Yeah. I'd be like, whoa, I don't, <laughs> but I mean, the things that they're building is state of the art, testing Absolutely. out different things. And out of it, you know, one of the things that, one of the challenges when we went up to rate when a customer brought up, can we remove methane from hydrocarbon? And that was something they were like, hmm, let's see whether qu- quantum computing can resolve that. So it's very interesting to see that the challenges that we are facing and whether quantum computing can resolve it. I was just about to ask yeah. what it does for the energy, yeah. like what it means for the energy. Can we industry. can we get the hydrocarbon and can we strip out a way that methane doesn't get leaked into the it's environment? So interesting. So those are the kind of big big challenges that we're looking at. Can quantum computing help this? Mm-hmm. You know, can artificial intelligence help this? Right. So we, I would say we're still at the very start of it. But it's a journey that we have to be on.
2: Absolutely. It's
3: very exciting just seeing
2: that that's something that's going to happen within mm-hmm. the net. And I'm sure it'll come faster than we think. Kind of like, I know AI has been in development forever, but it yes. feels like it was just like it overnight. Boom. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but
3: with AI, I mean, obviously that's because of chat GPT, right? The mm-hmm. whole the yeah. whole fun stuff of mm-hmm. AI. But yeah. when you look at one of the AI use cases that is out there is, so you're, as females, we take, you know, the mammogram for breast cancer uh, prevention. There is a use case out there that very early detection, you can start saying whether you are actually going to have a tumor or not. Wow. Yes. Through
2: the mammogram? Through the AI. Yeah, through yeah, AI. And, like through
3: imaging. AI wow. and imaging. So that's why I'm, I'm like, wow, that is game changing. Yeah, right? it really I mean. is. If we think about five, 10 years ago, oh, I feel a lump. Okay, you've got breast cancer. Now I can take a shot. And yeah, in two years, you're going to get breast cancer.
1: When I think sometimes I forget that there are other uses for mm-hmm. AI <laughs> other than the day-to-day chat, GPT and yes, energy that, yeah. especially for the medical community, I'm sure here in Houston with all the research hospitals, that mm-hmm. it's going to do some really great things.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's where we see, okay, mm-hmm. If you can do this with a scan, now can you take that, put it in energy and start looking at where the frack is going and tell me if I can make more oil and open up this frack oh, longer? That's very yeah. cool. Mm. Okay. So that's why, you know, that's why I feel a lot of, if you can free up the, non, right. you know, the non-essential tasks, it really makes you think, open up your mind to think yeah. about different ways of, of using technology.
1: Absolutely. So, I guess other than quantum computing and AI, what else gets you excited um, about the energy landscape over the next, you know, five, ten years?
3: Oh God, where do I start? Or was start? that it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's that's like you know, that's the core of what we yeah. do. But there's one one that really gets very gets me very excited is the industrial metaverse. If you look at kids today, I mean, so I have. Um, did a big mistake, but buying the um, Oculus, mm. Oculus, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there have been times I come back and my son's still awake, ten thirty at night yep. on a school night <laughs> playing game. I'm like, you know, that's that's not what it's for. <laughs> but when you look at the future of, I'll talk education, right? So today we are paying a lot of money to get into schools, and then the cost of living. Can we use that? in the future to give them the experience to be in a classroom Mm -hmm. without paying that price tag. And then that opens up more entry into universities. Right. And you can do it, you can be sitting in Colombia attending an Ivy League school here and not having to pay that cost of living here. Mm -hmm. You know, if you start thinking about how can we use those kind of technology Mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone gets the chance. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see a lot of the variables, the industrial metaverse that we call industrial metaverse, the future of that lies. right? And that, that's one thing that gets me excited. And then the partners, you know, we have, we have startups that are um, very niche technologies, mm-hmm. but um, some of the startups that I say, like, yes, that's what we want. So that right. gets me very excited. Decarbonization technologies that are coming forward, direct air capture technologies that are coming forward that is where Microsoft has got an entire climate initiative fund where Mm -hmm. we invest in these new startups. And that gets me very excited. Like, how can we make it so that it's not just one technology out there proven? How can we help more technologies? So that the cost of building this gets cheaper.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I kept thinking about the startups, and I feel like us two here, I'd never worked for a startup before. I didn't have any anything to do with any sort of startup in any industry before I started working here. And it is really exciting and you can tell like at our energy tech nights when there's something just by like the questions people are asking after some of these companies pitch that you're like, this is going to be a thing. Like Mm -hmm. people are already excited about it. Like this is obviously something that is needed. Needed, yeah. And that – I mean our hope obviously is that they walk out of that event with either – Meetings or potential clients yes. or investors—something that's kind of always our goal. But um, it's really fun seeing them come to fruition.
3: So it, I'm, I'm it excited is. to
1: see which of our um, pitch applicants and companies, startups we work with. I'm excited to see where they are in five years and mm-hmm. who's making up a bajillion dollars, who's changing the world, and
3: <laughs> I can't wait. And you—you you know the, in this process, I've met people who could have retired could have yeah. just done absolutely nothing and been fine but the good ones never the good ones come back because yeah. hey i want to make an impact mm-hmm. yeah and you that's know? the
2: drive that's yeah. what that's why they can't quit cuz yes. like i haven't
3: made a big enough impact and they know they can do more yes i mean, i mean there's one, you know, they're, they're the very well-known brothers in the U.S. in the oil and gas side. And they <laughs> sold their company, could have retired, decided. No, coming back to make an impact. And, yeah. And uh, we all know who it is. We love those brothers. We yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we do. So, I mean, they came back because, you know, when, you, when I look at their history, I'm like, oh I, you, you guys need to write a book about this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The impact that they're looking to do on decarbonization and providing zero carbon electricity to the grid here in the U.S. and then decarbonization of the rest of the world. Those are the things that, you know, That those are what legacies are built on, right? Absolutely. It's not how much they sold their first company for, but right. <laughs> the impact that they're making. And that's what, you know, that's where I feel the people really can drive that change. And today, it's no more about just generations before it's about how much money can mm-hmm. I make. And today, it's about how much impact can I make.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I think Chuck will be happy. Plug his uh, YDC roast. There's a charity event this fall that all of those brothers are the guests of honor that will all be getting roasted. <laughs> for charity. <laughs> so you should go. We'll huh? be there.
3: Yeah, they, yeah, they're quite something. Yes, sure. <laughs>
1: they are. They are. So I think um yeah. mid- Yeah, to wrap up, we have three rapid-fire questions that Jules always takes. This is her her favorite segment.
0: (laughs) We touched on this earlier, but number one, why should we care about the energy industry?
3: Because that's the fuel for the world. And uh, do you want to go back living on tree houses and yeah. hunting for your food with a spear? No, thank yeah, like you. I no, no <laughs> year. So uh, I mean, that's, and then wearing, you know, loincloth cloth or whatever yeah. it is. So, no. <laughs> so, I mean, it fuels the world, right? That's mm-hmm. the thing. We forget the byproducts. It fuels the world. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to care about it.
0: Right. And then number two was, what's the number one misconception about the energy industry? That it doesn't fuel the world. <laughs>
3: I know know, those two go hand in hand. Yeah, all you think it's, oh, it's providing, you know, gas to my car. No, it's not. It does a lot more than that. That's the first misconception (laughs) about it. And the second is they think we are causing damage to the environment every time. That's not true. Yeah. And then last one, what's your most embarrassing story in your career?
0: Oh boy, where do I start? <laughs> oh boy, where do I We've start? We've had some good ones. What we, have we had should some
1: do good at the ones. end of the year, we should go back and rank everyone. Yeah, yeah. Make a
3: compilation of yeah. all. Yeah. Where do I start? Oh, there's been way too many embarrassing ones. Oh, mm. I feel like everyone has one come to mind and they're like, oh, no, can not that one. You're not that one. <laughs> That's the most embarrassing. Oh, that's a tough one, though. Most, oh, yes. No, most <laughs> embarrassing was, you know, when I, so when I first started my career as a field engineer, I straight went working offshore. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that I was going to be the only female <laughs> on the offshore rig for 28 days straight.
1: That's a wow. long time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So with that came many challenges, I including it. do not ever go to a TV room. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I've heard. Yep. Yeah. Don't uh, accidentally open the door. Just yeah. don't, don't. Just stay in your rooms. Yeah. So that was, I would say, my most embarrassing thing that happened was like, oh, I walked out. No, actually, I was in the TV room and then they had the crew change and they didn't know I was in there. Then they started playing certain kind of movie. And oh, like, yeah. no. That
2: happened. <laughs> so that's so, I wonder if they still do that to this day. I'm sure they do. <laughs> oh,
3: that was that was almost 20, 25 years ago. Okay. So, I'd and be that, be that was back in Asia. That. So that was even worse. So.
2: So, I'm yeah. just very yeah. I'll have to ask Colin. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah,
3: what he that did was, in his that time was, all. I would say, my most embarrassing. But it was even more embarrassing for the people who are doing it because they're yeah. like, oh shit. They're not sure <laughs> oh so I'm sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. They aren't yeah. used to women. Nope, no. Nope. At that point, nope, nope. And <laughs> just you know, even if you're wearing a coverall, just just be very <laughs> thoughtful <laughs> about Couching. what else you're wearing under right. the coverall. So. <laughs> I think That's we've funny.
1: talked to enough people. To know that we are not meant for rigs.
2: No, I disagree. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Julie go. wants to. It's too. my dream to go I don't. offshore. I would love one day as a roughneck. I'm from Midland, by the oh. way. So I'm, I'm from Florida. Very much like. So I won't be doing that. Yet. <laughs> Be wrestling alligators.
0: Yes. Right. I'm like, and I have six brothers, so no, we didn't live on an offshore rig together, but
3: our house like it. Yeah, but you know what? Well, I mean, out of a lot of there's more embarrassing stories, but it, it all comes down to it builds you right? know. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. When yeah. someone tells me, I oh, do you, you don't, you know, you don't give up. I say, Well, you know, been around the block many times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one way or another, we find a way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it is a complex, complex issues that we're facing, complex challenges. And that's what it builds your character. If you're early on already like, oh, no, the offshore is not for me, I'm going to cry. And then it's just not going to build the kind of person that you are. Yeah. I may be able to do it for
1: one day as long as it's not in Canada. We had someone on the podcast recently who did that in Canada in the winter and it sounded.
3: Yeah. Like if like you it were just frozen the D8's whole D8's time. Oh, right? no, I was in Scotland and I got Ooh. chicken pox <gasps> on the rig. Oh, my God. In the winter months. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: So do they have... Going off topic a little bit. <laughs> Do they have they have like medical staff? I was on just oh guys. yeah, staff. yeah, no, they have like
3: full-blown medical stuff. A chopper can't get you, and I didn't even know I was getting chicken pox. I've never had chicken pox. And I was like, Oh, you know, something's itching And it was like snowing. And I was like, <gasps> Oh no, it can't be the snow. I'm not allergic to snow. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not> allergic <laughs> to you got water. chicken pox. And I'm like, oh great, on the rig in Scotland in the winter month. Yeah. Oh, oh no, man. man. Mm. What a story.
1: I feel like, do you tell these stories to your kids? No. 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 <laughs> Save them the grief. Yeah.
2: <laughs> How old are your kids?
3: Oh, my son is 13 going on 65. <laughs> and my daughter is 10 going on 16. So. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah I have, my kids are similar ages. So I, I was going to ask. But
3: yeah. We,
2: uh, they don't really care about our careers at this point.
3: <laughs> no, my, my, you know, my son, he is like a wise old man. He goes, "I don't want to make lots of money. I'll just want a small house, and I want to save the planet."
2: Oh, then my
3: ten-year-old girl, she goes, "I'm gonna be very, very rich, or I'm gonna live in the forest and hunt for my food."
2: Like, <laughs> There's no way. in between. Yeah, no yeah. in between.
3: It's like either this or this. All so. of mine. Besides the
2: youngest, he's like your typical young child, youngest child. They all want to be entrepreneurs and they all want lots of money. But my youngest is like, I'm never leaving you and I will not work. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. He's like, being grown
3: up sucks. I don't want to do it. Just marry rich.
1: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'll tell him that.
3: <laughs> marry rich. Jules, there's stay. still
1: time for you. I know.
0: Back to the day.
1: Terry, you can do it act of
0: the day, tip so, of the someone's
1: got to do it and it's got to be you
0: <laughs> hit me up
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love it this was a great episode i'm really excited i am too
3: it's fun thank you for it coming was. on definitely yeah, i mean so uh, we, we went off script completely but you know is there anything else you'd like to no i mean my only thing is advice people now keep an open mind yeah mm-hmm. uh, the energy industry is not the devils mm-hmm. we have been yeah. called that many many times we're yep. not and the tech industry is not the devils too because people when i left the oil industry to get into tech they're oh you, you went to the other side of the devil like, <laughs> <All right. laughs> no neither one of the devils we just need to learn to work together and make yeah. it better yeah,
2: so, yeah. agreed great well, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Oh, LinkedIn. Perfect. LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn's, a yeah. LinkedIn's a part of Microsoft. That's <laughs> where you guys found each other.
3: LinkedIn's <laughs> a part of Microsoft.
1: Yes. So literally and figuratively LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. in every sense of the word. Yes. And that's where you guys found each other.
3: Yes. 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 And, you know, I try my best to like, there's a lot of people who reach out, you know, I need, <laughs> I need just time to know how you did it. And I try my best to respond. But sometimes it takes me time because yeah. of, you know, the transition I'm going through too. But I try, yeah. try my best. But you know, you know, one thing is be very um, clear of your ask mm-hmm. and why you're asking that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, some people, I, can, I, can, I read people pretty well and I know when they're not being forthcoming.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And some, some are very forthcoming. This is what I want and I just want to learn from you, which is great. But some are not. So just be very honest with yourself, right? So. Yeah, that's great advice.
1: I love that. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want more information on the company or any of the podcasts, you can find us at digitalwildcatters.com or on LinkedIn or on our socials, Managed by Jules. The one and only. And follow us all on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yes, and follow Julie, us on LinkedIn. Jules. Hema.
2: Hema. <laughs> Especially Hema. <laughs> we'll see you next
1: time. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>